Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is the Field Goals Podcast. I am your host, Dana O'Gorman. This week, oh my gosh, so much Geno praise, so much offense praise, so much confusion around the defense. This season has been crazy. Just five weeks in, we have completely flipped the script of what we thought was going to happen. And now we are staring into the rest of the season with new hope, new excitement, question marks. There's so much going on in Seahawks football. So I really thought it was important that Dan, Dan the man, Dan Veens, who does the Field Goal podcast with me also, I decided it was time we got together. We needed to sit down. We needed to hash this out and see what we were. Now, usually I do this about every quarter of a season, but what's a quarter of 17 anymore, right? (laughs) So we just decided that this was the week to do it since teams seem to settle in between weeks four and six. And that's exactly where we are. Dan, thank you so much for taking extra time this week to come hang out with me. Of course. It's good to catch up with you again. It's uh, it's amazing how time flies and how much things can change since even the last time we talked about three or four weeks ago. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. It's a complete, it's a complete 180. This, this is not what we expected. I said this before, if you would have told me before week one, that Geno Smith was going to be the number one quarterback in football after week five, I would have laughed in your face. It would have been hilarious, but here we are. It it is amazing what we have seen in the pros and the cons of this team so far this year. Um, And it's, it's been really fun. It's been a great team to watch and I've really enjoyed it, but I want to go ahead and break down the offense, the defense, talk about special teams a little bit, what we're seeing that we like, what we see that maybe we would like to be changed. Um, and then kind of what we think the trajectory of this team is going to be. So let's go ahead and start with the pro, right? I mean, it is just amazing what Geno Smith is doing in the league right now. Um, I think that he has shocked everyone. I see him all the time on all the major TV shows, um, them talking, talking about he's not on them, but they talk about him and what he has brought to the table. Brian Baldinger today just put out a two minute video about how fantastic he is doing. Does this surprise you as much as it surprised me? Um, or did you see this coming? And, you know, do you think that maybe he can keep this up even through week 10, through the Germany game? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned Brian Baldinger. I was going to say the same thing. When he starts breaking down your stuff, you're doing something right. Um, I, it's Of course, it surprises me. I mean, I'm, I'm on record from the preseason. I think when we did kind of our season preview show of, of saying that I wanted to go with Drew Locke. I just thought he was the the more fun player with the higher ceiling. And I I just <clears throat> saw Gino as a guy that was going to be ultra safe, kind of to his detriment. Um, did he, you know, he had reshaped his career as a backup by being more careful and and weaning himself from the interceptions and the turnovers. Um, I had no idea that he would be a dynamic playmaker. And and that's what he's been. He's he's not a guy that's just operating the offense efficiently and being a game manager. He's, and you can see him getting more comfortable with each week. He's pushing the ball downfield. He's taking shots. He's making dynamic plays and he's running that offense with complete command. Um, It's, it, it's a game changer for me as far as potentially the big picture of where this team is headed, but just the offense alone, this is about the time of year where I start looking at DVOA, um, defensive value over uh, uh, average, I think is what it stands for. Football Outsiders, phenomenal statistical website. 
Yeah. Basically, they they analyze every single play and they they put a weight on the success of that play. And essentially, when you look at the rankings after a big enough sample size, if a team is ranked higher than another team in DVOA, there's a good chance they're going to be better than that football team. And their rankings typically line up very well at the end of the season with the standings. When the Seahawks had that great run in 12, 13, 14, they were number one in overall DVOA defense. Uh, they were, they were number one by a landslide and defensively in offense, they were top 10, top 12. They're the number one offense in the league right now in DVOA. So it's not just Geno making plays, but I don't think anyone expected this except maybe Pete Carroll, because he's been telling us this. He has been saying, it. and, and, you know, you look back into preseason, we were all throwing this fit. It's like, you know, Drew didn't seem to be getting equal time to kind of, you know, with the ones and he was always with the twos and we're like, well, has Pete already made up his mind? How terrible is that? We got to give him a chance. You know, we were all kind of growing for that. Um, and now we know why Pete knew you can't tell me he didn't know. He didn't yeah. know that this was in him and that this was something that he expected from him. I don't think he would have given the chance if he would have thought, yeah, he's got the talent, but I don't think we can pull it out of him. I think that they saw something. And it, it's okay for us to be skeptical about that because Pete talks guys up and, and he, yeah, he does. And, he's, <laughs> and he's positive. We've heard him talk guys up before and it doesn't come to fruition. Yeah, it really me, it, I, I no. had to clear my throat there. Uh, we've heard him talk up Daryl Taylor and the impact mm -hmm. he was going to have this year and Cody Barton, guys that haven't performed. And so it kind of was easy to take it as blowing smoke because, of course, he's going to talk the guy up when all the rest of us thought from the outside looking in, we were looking at a rebuild and sort of a soft tanking situation because right. they didn't go out and acquire some of the other quarterbacks that were available. Oh now God, and thank God they didn't. Now Can you imagine know. Baker Mayfield in this oh, offense? Like, would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield right absolutely now? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. And and there was, you know, an uproar about that. And the people mm -hmm. who don't like Pete Carroll, this was, you know, feeding them their, you know, for their fire to to be mad at him. And and they're like, why not bring Baker in? Well, now yeah. we know why you don't bring Baker in. I was one of them. I thought if better. they had acquired Baker Mayfield, they'd have mm -hmm. a shot to win nine, 10 games and be competitive. I yeah, you know, it shows you what I know about quarterbacks as, as <laughs> valuation goes. But it's what's cool now is now you're starting to hear, you know, you mentioned Brian Baldinger, but like other players around the league and ex-players and analysts and guys, guys who know a lot about football, way more than I do. Right. Uh, that are that are coming out and saying, now, now you can believe it. I mean, it's legitimate. I had Bill Alfstad on the on the show last week and we talked about how, okay. He's shown flashes. He's shown signs over the first three games. And then the fourth game, he had the, the monster game in Detroit, but it's against the Lions, who just continue to prove every week they are the worst defense in the league, probably even worse than the Houston Texans. And so let's see what they can do in New Orleans against that defense and Marshawn mm -hmm. Lattimore and Cam Jordan and all those guys. And he tore him up. He was the best yeah. player in the game. He was the best yeah. player in that game. Yeah. It's it, it was... It, it is legit and it, it's insanely fun. So Geno Smith right now has um, 1,305 yards. Um, his completion percentage is still 75%. That's I mean, crazy. that's crazy. It's crazy you know? because of what we talked He's going downfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, he's yeah, he's pushing it and 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 being the player he wanted to be. I think we could talk an entire show about Gino, but I want to make sure we talk about Tyler Lockett mm -hmm. and DK Metcalf. I have been um 
really encouraged by what I'm seeing by them and they're fantastic players. We knew it. I was worried about the connection. You know, they had been, you know, gotten their ball, the ball from Russ for so long and that they had this connection. And, you know, we always talked about how Russ and his wide receivers were just connected because he could, you know, go off script and they would still get the ball. But what I'm discovering is that Tyler Lockett is just an insanely talented wide receiver, which we knew, but I think not even to the extent we're seeing now that throw, I was in new Orleans this weekend for this game and that throw right before halftime. And he just caught it in the bread. Oh my God. Even the saints fans were like freaking out about it. It was such a beautiful throw. And so showed a lot of poise from Tyler, just hanging in there, hanging in there, hanging in there. I loved it. Um, and DK, um, on another show I did this week, they, they talked a little bit about, you know, DK has these kind of drop problems and sometimes mm-hmm. he will drop the ball. I think he looks better this year. I think they're getting him more than just down this, you know, the edge, you know, the long ball, they're using him a little bit better. And I like what I'm seeing. I think that will develop even more over the season with the wide receiver group. We have, um, do you think that this, this connection with Gino is, is, as good as it was with Russ, or do you just think that he is playing to absolutely their strength? Shane Waldron playing to their strength. Yeah. I think, I think it's a more consistent level of production than it was with Russ. I mean, anyone who plays fantasy football knows the frustration of owning Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf the last few years, because they would have a monster game followed by a game where, you know, they'd get two targets and they seem mostly invisible. And, That's and that so was true. one of the knocks on, on Russ is, and, and we didn't know at the time, is that Russ or is it the play calling or the, or the game plan, the offensive coordinating that, you know, when you have two weapons like that, especially a guy like DK who's built like he is, who doesn't need to be wide open. Mm-hmm get him the football target those guys a certain amount of times per game because they're going to come through and make plays. And that seems to be happening now every single week to both those guys. Um, You know, we can talk about how there's no production from the number three spot or the, or the, let alone the four spot. And maybe that's if they were a contending team or if they are still a contending team, three, four weeks from now, that might become a concern, but then, but then we're getting so much production from the tight ends. I think that kind of makes up for that, but it's, it's been, it's been one of the coolest aspects of this offense and how they've performed that so much of Tyler Lockett's success the last few years, a lot of people have credited Russ with that because of his ability to throw the deep ball. Right. You talked about the, the, the shot right before the half with 10 seconds left, but his second touchdown of the day was almost a mirror image of that, except the coverage was a little lighter. And, and Gino put that ball right on the money, right in the bucket. Couldn't have been thrown any better. Those looked very Russell esque in, in the way he, he placed those balls there. So mm-hmm. it's, it's good to see again, the depth there is a concern. If one of those guys were to, to go down, I think we'd be talking about some big issues, but, but their consistent production week in week out has been one of the coolest things about, about this mm-hmm. season so far. You didn't say him by name, but Eskridge is definitely a concern. The fact that they just don't seem to be using him and maybe that's just because they don't need him. You know, they're, they're getting what yeah. they need out of Tyler and DK. I don't know. Um, I just don't know what he gives you. That's different. I, you know, I don't either. Yeah. This before and yeah. he's, he's, you know, they wanted, I think when they drafted him, we all thought he would be that jet sweep guy. And I don't really know that that seems to be a big part of this offense anyway. Um, and he, you know, as a receiver, he doesn't give you anything different than Tyler Lockett or even Penny Hart, mm-hmm. to be honest. They're very similar body types. It is interesting and it's still something to keep an eye on. I think the jury's still out until at least the end of this year that Pete keeps talking about him. And he said something last week 
And then we did see him get more snaps. A little bit, Sunday. yeah. Mm-hmm. We did hear Pete say something about how he's getting rolling and by mid-season, you're really going to see this guy be involved. I thought that was interesting. I thought it didn't really get a lot of attention. Certainly something to keep an eye on because that guy just doesn't seem to add anything dynamic to the mm-hmm. to the offense. And I don't know that at the end of the year that, you know, he's worth a roster spot. If he's not going to be a return guy, that's the other thing is, is we're really lacking in the return game. And I thought that was something he was going to give the team and, and they're not even giving him that shot. So I wonder if he, he just used to be a mystery. I wonder if he's just too injury prone. I mean, even after a couple of games, he already was talking about injuries again. I don't know. Speaking yeah. of injuries, heartbreaking mm. about Rashad Penny. That literally, and the funny thing is, like I said, I was at the game and I didn't even realize that he was injured till my husband sent me a text and he was like, yeah. I guess it's an angle for Rashad Penny. And I was like, oh my God, Rashad Penny's hurt. Like we, because it was on the sideline, he just scooted right off. Yeah. We didn't even notice it. Did you watch the replay on TV later? I haven't yet. Like, no, I he know. Even, look, you look at his facial expressions because he took his helmet off. He doesn't even look like he's in pain. He reaches down and, and grabs it and he kind of looks frustrated. And so I thought he rolled it. I didn't even think it was a high ankle sprain. I thought, I oh, just, you know, he might be out a week or two. But like he broke it and tore tendons. They had to operate yeah. on three different, you know, issues. And I just, it's, that dude's pain tolerance must be incredible after right. all the things he's endured because he didn't look like he was in pain at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's what I want to say about that. I know that there are guys who legitimately are injury prone, mm-hmm. but I consider those guys, the ones with the soft tissue stuff, CJ mm-hmm. size, D Eskridge is another one, always tweaking a hamstring or a groin or a quad or a calf. Rashad Penny has suffered some significant injuries and they're not the kind that, that lend to, you know, that suggest he's brittle or not tough in any way. He's unlucky. He had a 300 pound guy fall on him at full force while being tackled out of bounds after a tough run. And the guy fell on his ankle and broke it. When he's healthy, he's proven to us over the last seven or eight games. He's placed one of the best backs in the league. And that's probably his last game ever as a Seahawk. Seahawk although. See, I disagree with that. Maybe the fact that he's hurt reduces his mm-hmm. market value. So maybe they get him back in a one year I think deal. they'll bring him back. I really do. Dan. I love I think, the guy and I feel terrible. For yeah. Him. I think they'll bring him back. I, I do. I think that this was an injury that was a fluke injury, just like you mentioned. And he has proven that he is a difference maker. I, I won't be surprised in any way if they bring him back, um, you know, for at least another one year deal and to see if he can get all the way through the season, because what they were wanting in this one year deal is they wanted to see him continue what he had done at the end of last year. And he was, and he was, he absolutely was. And so I, I think that's going to be enough evidence for them to be like, God, you're right. This guy broke your ankle. We're going to bring you back next year. I think that, I don't know. I just feel like that that's, this is not going to be the end of Rashad Penny in Seattle. I think that that'll be, that'll be really Interesting, but unturn in the turn, then we have to look at Kenneth yeah. Walker and sure. what he did. And there's a lot of people, you know, upset about that pick. I loved the pick. There was a lot of people who are like, well, what is he doing? We haven't even seen anything from him yet. Well, yeah, because you had Rashad Penny on your, you know, team. But then the minute he gets a chance, he peels off of se- peels off a 70 yard run. It was amazing. And so I'm excited to watch his development. I think it'll be good. I think between him, DJ Dallas and Homer, when he comes back, I think the running, the running room is going to be just fine. It does show you though, how just, um, how thin that line is. You know, we, we talked about how much we love the running back room at the beginning of the season, but now, mm-hmm. you know, Penny's down, Homer's out. 
Eesh. All of a sudden it's a little thin. I mean, if you lose Kenneth Walker, he gets dinged up at all. Now you're really, now you're really hurting there. And, yeah. and, you know, they signed Tony Jones, who's, who's had some moments of being productive for the saints. He's a big physical back, which I think is the right type of back to bring in, in that situation. I don't know what happened with Josh Johnson, what it was that, that didn't, where he didn't ingrain himself to the organization. I thought he looked great as a rookie undrafted guy in the preseason last year. I know he's dinged up this year and uh, then they released him and he's not even on a roster. I don't, but there must be something they obviously don't like about him if they weren't going to bring him back even in this situation. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, now we get to watch this kid and he was the best running back in college last year. I mean, some people thought Reese Hall was, but this guy won the Doak Walker award and you saw it on that touchdown run. You saw everything he embodies, except, you know, he didn't have to be physical on that run because nobody touched him. <laughs> uh, but he, the way that he read the play, you know, the outside zone, and he saw, and it wasn't Baldinger, but it was Matt Waldman who did a, a an all mm -hmm. 22 breakout on the run. And from the moment Gino handed him the ball, you could see where his eyes were and he could see the flow and he knew he was going to cut back right away. And his ability to stop on a dime and change direction and cut back and then accelerate quickly and outrun guys. Um, it's going to be exciting seeing what we have in him because whether or not they bring Penny back for another year, add someone else next year, they're always going to look for running backs. I mean, right. he's the future and we get to see that future now. So that'll so, be fun. I have enjoyed the tight end play. I like the increased usage that they're having. I think that that is all Shane Waldron. Um, and, and I, and you can't talk enough about this line, the, the, the line and especially the rookies are doing fantastic things. I, the, the offense is so fun. And I don't think that we've had a fun offense in a long time. It's been a good five years since it's been a fun offense. And, and, and so I think that this is why even though Seattle's two and three, we're in love with this team. Like the team mm -hmm. is doing so well. Um, how important is there had there have been conversations already about Shane Waldron possibly being a head coaching candidate other places for next year? Um, how important do you think it is for Seattle to to keep him in house and and to let him even develop this offense more? Because I feel like there's more. I don't know why. I just keep waiting yeah. every week. They seem to give us something else. I think it's huge. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they've been searching for the right offensive coordinator for a long time and. And we'll never really know, you know, uh, how some of those other guys might've done with other quarterbacks. Um, but this is a guy that he's the first guy that Pete's hired that kind of was in touch with the modern NFL offense, you know, coming from that McVay tree and, and incorporating some of those other things into it, you know, the three tight ends at the same time and the multiple, uh, the really creative formations and lots of motion and things like that misdirection. It's, it's fun to watch the tight ends involved because we've been screaming about it for years. And you know, that apparently that was just something that it wasn't part of Russell's game and they're getting all three of them involved. Parkinson wasn't really involved on Sunday. Didn't get any targets. I don't think, but he's a weapon that I don't want them to forget about, but Noah Fant, Will Disley has been a huge part of that. And, and Gino's looking for those guys. And I think there's a lot of plays that are called where they're the primary receivers and, and, and they're, they're the number one option. Um, but, but that offensive line has been fantastic too. And it's, it's again, I'm concerned about depth in the middle. I'm mm -hmm. concerned if Austin Blythe were to go down. Um, I actually think Joey Hunt, who they brought back and added to the practice squad last week is as undersized as he is, would be a better option than Kyle Fuller should Blythe get hurt. Um, but you can't say enough about those tackles and what that's doing on that play. It wasn't the, wasn't the touchdown at the end of the half. I mean, Gino just had a clean mm -hmm. pocket on that one, 
But the second touchdown to Lockett, he had to climb the pocket a little bit, but he, he was so calm and aware. And he just, he, you can tell, and this is what's amazing to me, again, about Gino, a guy that's been sitting for seven or eight years. Right. How comfortable, he trusts those guys. He trusts that pocket to be there. And it has been, he's, he gets such a clean pocket on so many times, but that one, Lucas was getting a little bit of push. I think it was from Cam Jordan and he just stepped up a little bit and, and delivered that throw to lock it. It was beautiful to see. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'd be hard pressed. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen it, but it would be interesting to, to really dig deep with, with some other people who cover the game. Have there ever how many times have we seen two rookie starting tackles from day one play at the same time and actually be good? I would venture to guess that if you're a team starting two rookie tackles, you're a pretty bad football team. Right. Absolutely. And everything, there's other dysfunctional parts of it as well. And those Mm -hmm. guys are going to struggle because of that. It's remarkable to watch. It really is, especially when you compare it to what we've seen out of the tackle position kind of over the last seven or eight years off and on. I love it. I love it. It's been so much fun. Now, the part that's not been quite as much fun (laughs) has been the defensive side of the board. (laughs) We do, because I think it's really important. And I'm a defense lover. And here here is what I want to start this defense conversation with. There has been a whole conversation of no one can understand why Pete Carroll can't get this defense fixed. He's a defensive-minded coach. He's all about a defensive-minded coach. But then I say to people, is he? If you look back at USC, he was great with his quarterbacks there. He was great with Russell at the beginning. Um, he just happened to have a historic level defense on top of it, right? And a fantastic defensive coordinators um, for a couple of years there in a row. It, w- it was fun. Um, but my in- the interesting thing here that I don't know if people are giving enough credit to or weight to whatever word you want to use is the fact that they've completely shifted their scheme this year. Mm-hmm. And that is taking some time to settle in. Clint Hurt is a brand new um, defensive coordinator. They brought in Sean Desai, who's going to change things up. And we knew that the minute they brought him in. Yeah. It's only been five games. And in my opinion, we are starting to see some improvements. Are they huge improvements? No, but they are baby step improvements. And so I'm wondering if this can be the defense that, much like we've seen over the last couple of years, takes off the second half of the season. I think losing Jamal Adams was a huge blow. I think a huge part, a large part of this defense was settled around Jamal Adams. I think that that's no question there, but I'm starting, especially after this last game, I'm starting to be slightly (laughs) encouraged. I want to make sure people understand it's just little increments, Yeah, but I'm, I'm not hating it as much as I was before. Four. I, I I read a thing. Richard Sherman uh, supposedly said he or someone heard him say or something. It's complete hearsay, just so you know, that he was going to tell Pete they needed to go back to their old scheme. I don't know that that is true. I, I think that they are working through some of the problems with the talent level they have in this defense. Were you encouraged at all, at all, by the way they played the Saints team? Subtract Taysom Hill, please, because that was just a disaster. Well, yeah, and that's that's the answer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was because against Andy Dalton, when they faced a a a traditional um, kind of classic NFL offense, uh, 
they kind of held him in check. You know, Dalton didn't make any plays. And, and even Alvin Kamara, who had a ton of touches, you know, 23 rushes for just over 100 yards, I think, which is a decent average. But as far as Alvin Kamara goes, they didn't give up any explosive running plays to him. He had the one mm-hmm. pass that went for big yardage and made his numbers look bigger. Um, but I thought they kind of held him in check and kept Dalton from making plays. And the coverage on the back end was good. They just couldn't stop that Taysom Hill package. They're not right. the first team that struggled against that. And it and it really amplified what their issues have been. They didn't set the edge a couple of times and they didn't tackle. Like, that's it. Um, and tackling knew, has been it was so coming. poor all season. Yeah. And it's always been the issue. But I have seen incremental, you know, kind of rays of hope. And mm-hmm. and I, I just wonder, and I do think they'll tweak it. You know, they have in the past. A couple of years ago, they started running that bare front where they went with five five guys up front and, and, and just kind of split their ends out wide. They'll make adjustments. I just don't know. I keep coming back to this. And at the beginning of the season, we thought there was enough talent there for the defense to be kind of dynamic and young and fun. We've talked about this before. We haven't gotten the production we were expecting out of some guys, most notably Daryl Taylor being one of them. Mm -hmm. And Cody Barton has shown us that while I think he's the ideal backup linebacker because he he can play all the spots, he shouldn't be an every down player. Absolutely. Um, I just don't think the talent's there in the front seven. I think we're lacking, you know, you look at the teams that are great on defense in this league and they have at each level, they have at least one guy up front and a guy on the edge and a guy at linebacker who, who are a problem and who are hard to game plan for and hard to block. And you have to account for them. Who are those guys for us? Like our best defensive lineman, Shelby Harris, but is he a game wrecker? Yeah, it's probably Al Woods. You know, there were times where he blew up some plays almost single-handedly on Sunday, but can he do that on an every down? Lord, he looked pissed as hell on Sunday. I don't even know what happened to Al Woods. Uh, There was a great tweet that said, Al Woods is playing the Saints like they said something bad about his mother. Like, it was hilarious, Like, he's trying to fix the defense all by himself. There was one play where three guys tried to block him, and he just kind of swim-moved one and pushed another guy out of the way and made a tackle. But he was the only guy. He had one tackle for loss and and a quarterback hit, or he had the sack, and that was it. That's all we had Mm -hmm. for the day. Um, we don't have that guy on the edge when, you know, we love Puna Ford, but I think he's playing out of, out of place. And I've had other guys that are X and O guys tell me that he, that he's not, that he, that he fits in a three, four defensive end kind of thing, but his, his body type just looks weird. Mm -hmm. When you think about the great three, four teams, you think about those edge guys being, you know, Calais Campbell being six, five, six, six, two seventy. Daryl Johnson was kind of looking effective in that before he got hurt. I think he fit that a little bit better. We certainly haven't had that guy at, at linebacker. I mean, we talked off air before we started recording right. about how Jordan Brooks uh, looked better on Sunday, came, took on blocks better, was more physical, was making plays more close to, closer to the line of scrimmage. But I think we've seen enough of him to know that he's not a game-changing mm-hmm. inside linebacker. We don't have that guy on the edge. Uchenna Nwosu has been the bright spot. And it's, it is encouraging to see that knowing the team was going to change their scheme, they went out on the free agent market, they identified a guy that they liked and that, you know, kind of came at under market value and was sort of under the radar. And he's been their best player on defense outside of, outside the of um, corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, probably. So that's, that's a bright spot, but I do think it'll get better. I just don't think the talent's there for them to ever get to a point where they're shutting teams down. But right. with this offense being as good as they are, 
They you don't know, have to take the big eight, the big 10 approach. Like, can we just, or the, uh, the big 12, I guess, mm-hmm. can we just hold teams in check, get off the field once in a while and let our offense do their thing. And if you can, you know, this team can still stay in this race for a little while. Oh, for sure. I think if the defense could move up even in the high twenties or even the, you know, I'm sorry, the low twenties and the high teens, I, I think that it would it, la, la, on a show I did last night, they said this team would probably be four and one. If they were at that level, yeah, just because of that, that's the way it is. Again, they're never, I don't think that the roster is, um, is such that you're going to get to where you're shutting teams down. I, no. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. You just have to get off the field in key moments right? and, and be tougher in the red zone and hold teams to field goals and things like that. And just give, just limit the explosive plays. If they can mm-hmm. just get back to, to that, um, then there's some wins on this schedule. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of Tariq Woolen, uh, there's people are having conversations about him about being the best cornerback they've had since um, Sherman, if not better than Sherman. There's conversations of rookie of the year for him. Um, I think that the hype that we saw from Pete at the beginning of the season is what we are actually getting now from Woolen. And there was a couple, remember, there was a couple times we're like, really, what is this kid in preseason? Well, now we know he's just fantastic. He's been good. I actually like Kobe Bryant. I think that he's playing, you know, somewhat well and learning. You can see him learn every Mm -hmm. single week. He makes some great decisions and gets better every single week. I want to talk to you uh, or ask you a little bit about the addition of Bruce Irvin. There was a lot, um, people seem to be split. I will tell you, I'm going to admit right now, I love Bruce Irvin. I love everything about Bruce Irvin. Um, I think that he was brought in specifically to help teach these guys, maybe bring back a little element of Seahawks football. I don't expect him to all of a sudden become the starter. I don't expect him to, you know, be playing every down. Um, I feel like it's a little bit more of a mentor situation. And I think that is perfect for Bruce Irvin at this point in his career. It's, I was surprised by it because I thought he was done. And in fact, my first thought when I saw the news was, didn't he announce that he was retiring? Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure if he had or not. I just, you know, obviously the question is, is how much does a guy have left in the tank? He, ACL just a year and a half ago. Is he, is, you know, can he be that explosive player that he was? If so, I mean, he could provide a little bit more than just mentoring. He could kind of have a Carlos Dunlap type effect on this team as a guy can come in on obvious passing downs and get after the quarterback. And if all he does is have some sort of positive impact on Daryl Taylor, mm-hmm. um, then it's, you know, it's a no brainer. It doesn't cost him anything. I, I, it kind of just flabbergasts me sometimes how, um, how some fans react to things like that. Like, what if it doesn't work? What if he comes in practices for a couple weeks, he has nothing left in the tank and they release him. What have they lost? Yeah. They're He's not, not going to hurt their the roster team. spot from anyone else. No, it's not. And because I think we're getting to that point in the season, I don't know exactly when the trade deadline is, but when we talk about the defense, if this team stays in the race and right now they're a game out of first place, everybody all jammed up in that NFC West and, and as good as the 49ers have been now, they've got some injuries on mm-hmm. defense. That's what's been carrying them. You know, I don't think anyone thinks they're going to run away and hide with the NFC West title and Seahawks still have another shot to play them at home. It's anything can happen. Do you start thinking about, are there acquisitions that could be made? Are mm-hmm. there additions that can be made without giving up too much of that precious draft capital next year? But I come back to the Carlos Dunlap trade a couple of years ago where they give up like a seventh and a backup offensive lineman to get him. It's, 
So maybe Bruce Irvin is a guy that can give them just a little bit of a spark. And if he gets 10, 12 snaps a game and he makes a little bit of an impact, then, then I'm all for it. Uh, yeah. You just, there, there's no losing here. No, not at all. And, and, and it's, he's a very pro Seattle culture, which is, is always a good thing to bring into oh. that locker room for, for Pete. Not that he's having any problems in the locker room. Everyone seems to be very happy, but you know, just to add that kind of upbeat pro Seattle guy is, is always going to be helpful too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I want to watch every single week. Just pay attention to that defense. You guys give them a minute. I'm not saying that they're good in any way, shape or form, but there are, there are sparks of hope. Let's not forget where we are. You know, I, I think the fact that the offense has been so good, it gives people hope. The fact Geno's played so well, and there's a discussion about whether he can be a, a little bit more of a long-term fix. than we thought, mm-hmm. I, I think it skews people's perspective a little bit. This oh, is sure. a rebuilding year and we're playing. I, I, don't know this for a fact, but I imagine we're playing as many, if not more rookies on a regular basis than any team in the league, um, including some really bad teams out there and they're playing key roles and they're playing well. And so when you, when you watch the defense, I'm more concerned with what you just talked about. Have we identified pieces of the future moving forward? Mm-hmm. And Tariq Wollen, 100%, we have found a long-term lockdown potential Pro Bowl and future all pro type corner. I think that's how good he's been playing. It's not just that he's in the right place at the right time or that he's physically outmatching guys. He's making instinctive plays that absolutely blow me away considering he's only played corner in college for two years. Um, And I love that you brought up Kobe Bryant. He struggled. He got beat a couple of times early had some key penalties. But now three weeks in a row, he's been involved in the turnover. Pete Carroll said he's got a nose for that. We see that. He seems to be much stickier on his coverage, learning to play the slot for the first time in his career. I didn't love the fact we're moving him to a slot. I wanted to keep him on the outside, but maybe we found our slot corner for the next five Mm -hmm. years. You know, the coverage has been good overall. The issues are 90% in the front seven. And I think they're fixable with talent and, uh, and continued, you know, just adaptations to that scheme. So there are some bright spots despite, Mm -hmm. The fact that they are 31st in the league in total uh, defensive (laughs) DVOA. And uh, just so people know how this works, if you're a baseball fan, it's similar to WRC plus where it's a percentage assigned uh, as to how you compare to average in the league. They're at 15.4%, which means they are 15.4% worse than the rest of the league uh, as far as points allowed on defense. So uh, there's nowhere to go but up. Nowhere to go. God, no. Nowhere to go. There's one more spot they could drop. Uh, I guess, but Detroit would have to get a lot better. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to just touch on special teams a little bit. This this last week, I think it's hard to talk about special teams because of the complete mishap of what Michael Dixon did with that punt and what happened there. It was just crazy. Tyler Lockett had a drop. Tyler Lockett should not be fielding those anyway, but he had a drop. I think that people are kind of down on special teams right now because of these few plays, but, but overall, I think that they seem somewhat a solid group. Yeah, they're they're an uninspiring group for oh, sure. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, you know, mentioned it earlier. I would love to see them get a dynamic return guy and, mm-hmm. and have that be a priority in this next draft. You know, get take a receiver or a, or a backup running back that can help you in that area. Um, but that aside, you know, the we saw coverage issues in the preseason, and obviously those can be overblown because you're not playing your starters. But coverage, I think, is for the most part been good, and and Jason Myers has kind of swung back to being good Jason Myers. And I think he's a guy that, that you can count on uh, when you need to. I just don't, 
that punt that I don't, I still don't really love the explanation and understand the explanation. No. Why, when you're pinned back in your own territory, because the way Pete explained it was, well, we were doing the rollout kind of punt. Why even do that? Right. That's part of the league. Just let him unload it and try to flip field position and get back on defense, try to get yeah. a stop. That just seemed way too cute. And um, I think at the time we all thought, Maybe they were trying to legitimately fake it because we remember the game. Was it in Detroit a couple of years ago where we were deep in our territory and Dixon decided to run it and he had the call? Yeah. And for, I don't remember what game that was, but I remember yeah. the play. Yeah. It was on the road. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it just, you know, when you watch it again, like I, that, that just didn't make sense to me. So yeah, we, there was indecision. There. Yeah. There, there was indecision there. There's a couple of, little cutesy plays that I want Pete to just take out the book. Like let's, let's not, let's not screw around. Let's just play straightforward football, you know, and they just don't ever, well, I can't say they don't ever work out. They just usually don't work out. So just get rid of them. This is not the year. I'll keep it simple. You know, even the, you know, the trick play in San Francisco, that was a disaster. Complicated. You know, I think about things like the, um, was it last year? Was it the opening, the home opener when they, um, against San Francisco, when they just, uh, on the punt, they just quick snapped it to the up guy, which is Travis Homer. And, mm-hmm. and he converted it, you know, keep it simple. Like yeah. just, uh, Pete sometimes just can't help himself. I know. God love him. I always <laughs> say he throws stuff against the wall to see what sticks. And I, I, I love that about him. I think yeah. that that's awesome. Cause it's never boring, but sometimes you're like, this is not the game. Let's not do that. Especially with a young team, you know, yeah. try to keep it simple. Yeah, that's absolutely. So where are you at? What what was your prediction at the beginning of the season on how many games they would win? Has that changed at all? Mine mine has changed. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, mine's ticked up. I think we were kind of on the same page. I was thinking yep. five to seven yep, wins. Five to seven. Yeah, this team can win nine games, and and I think a real key they play they play Arizona this Sunday, and they play them twice in the next four weeks. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been a believer in the Cardinals in the last couple of years. I thought it was shocking, but also as a Seahawks fan, uh, very encouraging that they extended both Cliff Kingsbury and gave all that money to Kyler Murray. I don't think he's a special player. I don't think he's a special leader. Um, and the fact they hitched their wagon to him, I think uh, bodes well for the rest of the division. Um, and and so getting them twice in the next four weeks, um, you know, those division games sandwiched around a couple others, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, you look at the schedule now and you're like, Games that you thought were the Giants one way, right? A little yeah. bit different. Best running football team in the league. That's right. a weakness of ours. So I don't know if that's that's not a gimme anymore, even though mm-hmm. it's at home. Um, but then you look at you know going going overseas to play Tampa Bay. Are they as scary as you thought they were going to be a few weeks ago? Right? Is is are the LA Chargers scary right now? Like they've done some good. Are the things, Rams but, scary? Right? I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. They, and then you look at the end of the schedule and how it finishes up, and there's some real opportunities for wins there, mm-hmm. and so. I, if, if the offense, you know, barring injury, which always has to be said, yeah. knock on wood, if, if the offense continues to operate at this level, which I, I don't see any reason it shouldn't, I think the sample size is big enough and I think it's legitimate and they've done it now against some good defenses. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a chance to win week in and week out. And, um, and I think the defense is going to improve just enough that every single week it's going to be. It's going to be like watching the Mariners. Every game is going to be a nail biter and it's going to be scary and no lead is going to be safe. But this team has a chance to win nine games. Yeah, I I moved up to a solid seven now. I think that there's I was looking at the schedule and the Giants with them being so good and some of the other games now 
questionable. We've seen some mm-hmm. stuff that some of the other other teams can do. I, I, I'm at a solid seven now because I had only picked five and they already have two five weeks in. Yep. So I had to adjust it to a certain extent. But I, I have a little bit different thought on it. You, you said, you know, every game is going to be scary. Th- that's just it. This this season doesn't scare me because they're not supposed to be good. And every time they mm-hmm. lose, yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, it gets us, you know, a higher draft pick. But Every time, you know, with them doing well, it's just fun because it was, it's so unexpected. And so this is the least stressful season I have had in quite a while. And, and I, it's just been yeah. such a blast. I, I, I love feel the same way. You know, yeah. Sunday's, Sunday's a perfect example. That's a game they, they yeah. could have won, maybe should have won, had opportunities to win and they didn't. And uh, I just went about my day afterwards. Right. That's just, what it, happens. It didn't Let's, ruin me for 20 hours. Look at like, how many points they scored. That's what I keep saying. Yeah. Keep scoring all these points. So. Right. It would be way, you know, if, if we were losing these games, you know, 10 to three. I mean, that's oh, hard yeah. to watch. But this offense is so much fun mm-hmm. um, that it, it, you know, I, the way I look at it is like, okay, let's tuck that away. That's one thing we have taken care of, mm-hmm. right? Even for next year, you know, regardless who the quarterback is and what, whatever those are conversations we're going to continue to have. Right. It's that's something that's been the frustration as a Seahawks fan for the last five or six years is what the heck's going on with the offense. And from one week to the next, we never knew what to expect. Oh and it God, wasn't right. something we could trust or count on. Right. And it, I'm, it's only five games in, but it seems to be complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. The offense is going to come out and they're going to produce. Right. And I don't see any reason to think that that's going to change. Right. I, I completely agree. Well, I hope I, all of our listeners are having as much fun watching this team as we are, because obviously, you know, it's a blast to kind of break them down and to, and to see what's yeah. going on. And, and it's been very enjoyable and and even a bad defense. You know, I, I've had a good time watching some of those guys make plays. And and so I, I think this team is just fun. And I think that is something that none of us expected this season, which has made it, you know, even more enjoyable than we thought it would be. All right, everyone. Well, that is um, the Field Goals podcast from me this season. Of course, you can always catch Dan um, right after the games and then he does a preview of the next game. So please check it out. Um, Make sure that you subscribe and hit the notification button and you will get um, notifications when we go, um, when we post a new podcast. I hope everyone has a great week and go Hawks.